Hey, this is Louisiana Sister Squad Podcast, where we bring you real information to enhance your truther lifestyle. I'm Katie. And I'm Tammy. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show. Hey, y'all. We're back for part three with Jeff Rose. Jeff, also known as the Explant Concierge, has 35 years in health and wellness. Today, he's going to cover detox and detoxing after explant surgery. Welcome back to Louisiana Sister Squad podcast, Jeff. Today, we're going to talk about detoxing. Detoxing is something that we hear about all the time. We see infomercials about it. You know, we hear so many different approaches to a three-day detox, a seven-day detox, and there is no cookie-cutter system for detoxification, especially when it comes to breast implant illness. And the biggest thing I want to clarify was detoxification from explant surgery because I emphasize that because you only detox after you explant, probably about three to four weeks post-surgery, you never ever detox while you are going through symptoms of breast implant illness because what happens is with all the chemicals and heavy metals that are in your body making you sick, what would happen is, and it does happen to a lot of women that try a detox, is it causes something that will give you flu-like symptoms. They actually have a name for it. It was named years ago after a doctor called the Hersheimer's effect. And what that does is it makes you feel like you have the flu, a lot of symptoms, because what you're doing is you have a lot of these chemicals and heavy metals in you that are stagnant, some are doing some things, But when you detox, you're pushing them out. You're trying to push them out. You're loosening them up and they actually start causing inflammation and they start making you sick. So to detox while you are symptomatic is the worst thing you ever want to do. It's the cardinal rule of what not to do. But after surgery, once you explant, your body goes to a natural detoxification phase on its own over the course of about three or four weeks. So let that happen. Let those chemicals naturally, for the most part, get out of your system. And while most of them will, there is a lot of leftover chemicals that are still in your body because they've been there. They attach to Uh, tissues and organs and lymph nodes, and they want to be able to leave your body for complete healing from breast implant illness. So detoxing about a month after surgery is the ideal way to approach it. And you want to do it where you're listening to your body. So anywhere from two to four months, I feel is appropriate based on helping women detox the last nine years. And the other thing I want to emphasize, detoxing from the chemicals in breast implants is extremely different than 
just going to the store and buying like a liver cleanse, a colon cleanse, a kidney cleanse. That's not something you do. I'm not saying it won't be beneficial. It just is not going to do the complete job of detoxing the specific chemicals that are in the implant. So you want to do a specialized condition specific detox that will target the heavy metals and the specific chemicals. Let me give you an example. Uh, you have these heavy metals that are in the implants and causing damage and causing symptoms like brain fog that everyone has that has breast implant illness. So if you use the right product with the right material, it can bind to those heavy metals and pull it out of your body in a very gentle manner. The one thing I always want to emphasize, I do not believe in harsh detoxes. A lot of people will go to extremes and, you know, you hear things like coffee enemas and, you know, all kinds of crazy extreme detoxes. You have to remember, when you're sick, your body is in a weakened condition. The last thing you want to do is make it weaker. You're, you're healing. You're going through a healing phase. So you want to do it slower and gentle. And of course, we all want to feel better overnight, but you don't want to make yourself weak and sicker. You want to do it, like I said, over the course of two to four months, listen to your body. Your body will tell you when it's enough, when you're feeling better. And if you do the right protocols, then you can get better. And let me just give you the one example. Like for the heavy metals, there's a product called zeolites. Zeolites is the one I recommend is in a spray form. So it's easily used, you know, sublingual under the tongue and zeolites binds to the heavy metals and it will pull it gently out of your body over the course of maybe two or three months. And it will allow your body to naturally heal itself. Listen to your body, um, communicate with your doctor and see if it's helping you. You know, I'm always open. Whatever works for you, whether somebody else agrees with it or not, then that's fine. Everybody's different. Everybody reacts different to medications, to chemicals, to nutraceuticals. Everyone is different and everyone is an individual with everything, really, including breast implant illness symptoms. And that's why when I'm talking to a woman who is sick with this, I will always ask the question because everyone has a different pain tolerance and a different tolerance to symptoms. I will say, how are the symptoms in general impacting the quality of your life? And this gives me a really good overview of how debilitating the symptoms really are. You know, some women get very emotional. Some are just you know, telling me I had somebody yesterday say on a scale of one to 10, I'm a 12. That's how sick I am. I have no quality of life. And for the most part, the one thing I've learned over the years is that as bad as the physical symptoms can be, the emotional trauma with this uh, breast implant illness symptoms is even worse than the physical symptoms themselves. And that's because it literally 
takes away the very person you used to be. And I know family can relate to that as well. For sure. That's excellent advice to listen to your body. Let's, um, I, I wish that more, more people just had that approach because right now we're seeing a lot of people that say you should do this and you should do that. And they don't know anything about you <clears throat> as opposed to just respecting you should do what's good for you. And you should listen to your body. I wanted to ask about um, the the spray that you recommended, the zeolite spray. You said it binds to heavy metals and it gently removes them. Um, let's say for somebody who didn't have breast implant illness and they they wanted to use that. What other kind, like how how else are we getting metals in our body that we would need to detox from? Well, great question, Katie. And I think the biggest way that people are using it is from the amalgam mercury fillings in our mouth that so many people have had including myself i know i had my lowers removed a long time ago i still have a few of my uppers and of course mercury toxicity is you know at the forefront of people's concern because of the link to alzheimer's disease so and depression as well i mean i have read a lot of research about how it's absolutely causing, you know, depression. For instance, if you look at dentists who are the ones that are actually removing all of these amalgam fillings from their patients, the dentists are the ones at the biggest risk. And if you look at the suicide rate of dentists, of course, can we say for sure? No, but why are our dentists of all professions have such a high suicide rate. Well, there's been indications it could possibly be the mercury exposure. So again, mercury, we know it's not good for our bodies. We know it's not good for our brains, certainly when it's in high amounts. And the nice thing also is you can get a test done, blood, sometimes saliva, and it will show your mercury level. So you don't have to guess if you have high mercury levels, but of course, the amalgam fillings are notorious for that. And certainly, you know, we've heard about like those that have eaten a lot of canned tuna fish over the years has a very high mercury level. So again, you have to look at yourself as an individual, your diet, what's in your mouth as far as the amalgam fillings and see if you do have elevated mercuries and look at your symptoms and see if this could be a benefit to you. So I have a question about um, whenever someone goes in to get their explant surgery, do you guys do a blood workup beforehand so you can kind of recommend what type of detox to use after the explant surgery and the two to four weeks of waiting to detox. And then also, if you did that, you'd be checking the blood after the fact to see the levels going down as well. Right, is right. that something you guys do at Aquaplastic Surgery or is that something that is like outsourced that you just recommend to the women? Uh, another great question, um, a very important one. And yes, we do, for medical clearance purposes, you know, require a lipid panel, a CBC done by everybody. And 
I, especially when I get into a conversation with women that have specific symptoms, I will say, listen, you know, it's up to you, but if you want to get a panel done to check your hormones because there are known endocrine disruptors, uh, get a female hormone panel done. Uh, if you want to check your um, heavy metal profile and just get a complete blood workup, it's always good. Like I was, you know, saying earlier about looking at things that produce measurable results. And when you can see, for instance, your inflammatory markers go down after explant, that's one of the biggest because everyone that does get sick with breast implant illness, their body is in a pro-inflammatory state, it's full of inflammation, and then you get this whole subset of symptoms called breast implant illness. So if you can check your blood work as complete as possible, I'm always a believer in measurable results. So if you get a blood panel done and then 90 days later after your explant, if you get another panel done, well, there it is right in front of you, the numbers. I mean, I just had a woman do it recently. Her liver enzymes went down dramatically. Her testosterone, which gets depleted on over 90% of women where they have all the symptoms of low testosterone, low libido, depression, irritability, insomnia, and they don't feel good. You can't feel good, a man or a woman, if you have little to no testosterone. So checking that and then rechecking it again three months later after your surgery, I've seen it consistently where your hormones will re-regulate and you will feel like yourself again. And one of the reasons for that, of course, hormones are what we are made of, whether we're a man or a woman. And if our hormones are out of balance, you're not going to feel good. And I think it's very important. These chemicals and heavy metals can stay in your body for 18 months to two years. And that is the important time frame where you do need to listen to your body. Or there's some people that will just say to me, listen, I want to do everything possible to heal. Is it okay if I just do intermittent detoxes for 18 months or two years? I'm like, absolutely. If you want to be very proactive, I'm all for that. And then you will know your body is healing in an optimal way as best it can for the time frame where I have seen women still go through the healing phase where they are not completely better. And there are women that, you know, will say to me, you know, Jeff, if I make a 50% improvement, I will be very happy. And I just tell them the reality that 90 to 95% of women do make a noticeable improvement a few months after surgery. Now, to make a complete turnaround in your health and get all these toxins and contaminants out of your body, then I believe up to two years, you should consider doing things to detox and be proactive. And I think you'll find that these symptoms will be gone and breast implant illness will be something that's in your past.
so firstly, I want to say thank you for bringing that to my attention about f the fillings having um, the mercury in it, the silver fillings. Um, it has another name besides silver, but that does contain amalgam. That's it. Amalgam. Uh, it does contain mercury. And so I'm actually planning on having my fillings replaced. Um, I think I'm going to go with gold. Um, I, I hear that that's better. Do you have an opinion one way or the other? Well, absolutely. Gold is definitely safer than um, the amalgam silver fillings. And, you know, when when we were young, I know when I was young and, you know, my parents were taking me to the dentist, I had no control over it. And they would put amalgam fillings in. And then, of course, you know, becoming an adult and be able to make my own decisions. And, of course, being in the natural health field, learning about the negatives of amalgam fillings, I wanted to do something about it, even though I wasn't feeling anything negative from it. Um, I did get blood work one time where it was slightly elevated. Now, I did eat a lot of tuna fish and I did have a lot of amalgam filling. So I said, I'm not surprised. So I had my lowers removed first. All my lowers were removed and it's got to be removed by a qualified dentist in a very slow, meticulous manner. And then I did my blood work again after I got my lowers removed and it was normal. So then I had a few of my uppers removed and I still have a few left, but I'm someone that's very proactive getting my blood work done. I get my blood work done every three months like clockwork and my heavy metals have been normal for years since doing that. So I just haven't touched a few that are left. And of course, I don't eat the tuna the way I used to, maybe on rare occasions. So I'm much more aware and, you know, my body is, you know, responded to that in a very positive way. And it, again, it shows in a measurable way besides how I feel by getting very extensive blood work. It, that's an excellent point that you bring up about, you know, the fillings. And then I want to go back. So you said, you know, not to be detoxing from the heavy metals while you still have the breast implants, because then you're just pulling the heavy metals kind of all over the places is, is what it sounded like to me. So I would say, is that going to be the same rule for because I have those kind of fillings? And if I'm looking to detox from the metals, if I were to use the zeolites for that, it, it, it would be similar. It would be pulling those all over my body again, right? Exactly. Especially if you've gotten blood work and you know you have elevated mercury levels, then that same rule would apply. You would not want to detox in any way because you're just spreading it through your body. You would get the amalgam removed and then maybe a few weeks after that you would start doing the zeolites and you would detox and you know there, there's also um some oral edta formulations um one is even a transdermal that will go through your skin and edta is a proven matter i mean you can get like chelation therapy which is edta and that will also detoxify your body, which for removing heavy metals, chelation therapy has been proven since the 40s to be effective for heavy metal removal. And the only downside to doing it 
while it's very effective, it can be a little bit expensive. And to do a complete chelation therapy protocol, it sometimes requires up to 30 sessions of IV, of IV therapy to get fully detoxed. So it's a commitment for an individual, um, both from a financial standpoint and a time standpoint. But if, if you want to do that, absolutely, it's super effective. And again, you know, find somebody reputable and they can certainly help you. And that is, you know, doing it in a medical format, or if you want to do it on your own, you can certainly do the zeolites. You can do either an oral DTA or a transdermal EDTA, and that will detoxify the mercury and heavy metals as well. So. We're both absorbing so much of this information. We're just like it's early, boo. It is. It is a little <laughs> bit early. Um, um, so so we went through the process of okay. So now that you have the explants out, and this is the detox that you want to to take, Jeff. What do you feel like we could say, like to round out in closing, just to make sure we got the complete <clears throat> information on that? Well, I think again the. The biggest two things is to emphasize detoxing from the chemicals and heavy metals in breast implants is not the same as a regular detox, like a, a liver, kidney, or colon cleanse. So it's not a matter of going to your health food store and buying some products. That's not bad, but it's not going to do the job to detox these specific chemicals. So. You have to use the right products that will target these specific chemicals and heavy metals. And again, the biggest thing too is never detox while those chemicals are still active in your body before you've had removal. So whether you're going through an explant for breast implant illness symptoms, or like you said, if you're having your amalgam fillings removed, and you're doing it to get rid of the mercury in your body, you want to wait a few weeks after the procedure, and then you can start your detox. Okay, that's definitely excellent advice. I want to talk a little bit more about the other detoxes you said, like the colon, the kidney, the liver, and things like that. Um, what are your thoughts on like a, a detoxing regularly? Do you have a specific like pattern you would recommend? Like, would you do a, like the colon detox first and then move on to kidney and then to liver? Yeah. Well, yes. Uh, Who wants question. to be a mechanic? Me. <laughs> well, here's the first thing to realize that, um, of course, your body has its own natural detoxification system, which, of course, when you go to the bathroom, that's how your body detoxes when things come out of the room. Also, the best detox bar none is when your body sweats. So whether, you know, like this morning I went for a run, that's a form of detoxification. In fact, it's proven to be the best form of detoxification. Um, if you go like to an infrared sauna, I'm a big proponent of infrared saunas and sweating through that format is super beneficial. And these are considered 
natural forms of detoxification, of course, you know, drinking a lot of water, um, you know, flushing your system out. Now, it's important to understand that when you're symptomatic with the symptoms of breast implant illness, you can do natural forms of detoxification. You can, because I know this is probably going through a lot of people's minds, is, well, geez, I, you know, eat in a way that makes me detox, I sweat. That's perfectly fine because that's your body natural detoxification system. So you can sweat, that's a detoxification form, the best there is actually. Um, so whether it's through exercise or doing like an infrared sauna, which is, I think, amazing. Um, and whether you're just, you know, let's say eating a lot of fruits and vegetables and drinking a lot of water and your body is naturally detoxing, that's fine at any time. You're not forcing through supplementation, you know, herbs or vitamins, you're not forcing things out. This is a natural approach. So if you do want to be proactive while you are sick, then these forms of detoxification are perfectly fine. Again, everything in moderation, common sense, nothing too extreme. Uh, but if you do that, that's just being healthy and that's just getting your body, you know, working the way it should anyway, whether you have, you know, breast implant illness or not. And I think, you know, we do want to talk about everybody being healthy in general and certainly, you know, diet is important, exercise is important, you know, all of these things are very important. And, you know, what I had mentioned earlier about, because, you know, for years, I am always asked this question, like, like I know the magic bullet is, you know, Jeff, what should I be taking? What's the most important thing I should take? And again, that answer is what you're deficient in. So, if you're deficient in one particular thing, you want to replace it. If you're, let's say, overloaded with something, your blood levels are high, whether it be mercury or any anything else, well, you want to do things to bring those numbers down and get yourself healthy because, you know, there there's things that I see that a lot of people are not aware of. I mean, there's vitamin A toxicity, there's even too much vitamin D toxicity. There's things that people just do so much of and they think that more is better when it's not. And you have to, you know, really do this in a very smart manner with professional advice and not overdo it because your numbers can be too high. You know, even myself over the last couple of years where I would get regular vitamin D injections. A lot of people don't know you can get vitamin D3 injections and, you know, vitamin D, we've talked about how important it is. And I mean, just look up vitamin D deficiency and you'll realize how important it is. And luckily, because I get blood work regularly, I realized oh, it was going slightly high. So I cut back on it. And so being aware of your levels is very important. Listening to your body is very important. And again, everybody reacts and feels better or worse 
to a different dosage or to a different number. So there, are, I don't believe in a cookie cutter format for anyone because, you know, example, I see people with a certain level of testosterone and they don't feel good unless it's higher. I'm like that. Um, and other people can have a lower level, but they feel amazing. So again, it's not all numbers. Certainly you want to be within a good range, but listen to your body. And, you know, the one thing I'm asked a lot, you know, sometimes by friends, relatives, or just even some patients, because I've dealt with so many, so many women over the years is, you know, Jeff, what's the biggest thing you learn in dealing with so many women? And um, most, I think, are serious about my response. And, and it's really true is women generally are very more in tune with their body than men are. They really are. It's just whether it's female intuition, women just know when something's right or when it's not right. If a doctor tells them something and they will just know, no, this doctor's way off base. This is not it at all. And women will question things so much more often. And I think that's why so many women are now becoming aware of breast implant illness, where most guys, you know, realistically, they go to the doctor, they will just be like, okay, doc, whatever you say, I'll take this, I'll do that. They don't question things as much. And women are really much more in tune with their bodies. So what you're saying is essentially that we're a lot smarter than you, Jeff, right? <laughs> well, when it comes to listening to your body, absolutely. In closing, just to recap, um, just in case somebody's listening to this episode first without listening to your other two episodes in this series of three that you so graciously have done for us. Um, so when it comes to breast implant illness, if you have breast implants and you feel like you're getting weird symptoms out of nowhere, your doctors can't figure out what it is. It's just really smart to research breast implant illness. And you can start, it's easy as just being on social media and using hashtag breast implant illness, also known as BII. I definitely commend you. And I think that's really a, a great thing that you guys are doing, um, being in there and getting to see you know, all of these things firsthand and being able to share that information is so important. I really want to highlight what you said that is the most important thing that people just don't seem to hear enough when you said you don't believe in a cookie cutter answer for everyone. I want everybody listening to be able to remember that. So when you see a new fad, it says you just eat this, you just eat that, and this happens that that's not going to apply for everyone. And your best practice for your life is to one, invest in yourself, buy quality food, and get active. Diet and exercise matters. Things in moderation matter. And so your wellness approach to how you should live your life, it's not just taking magical, this magical supplement or doing this one thing that's going to be the solution for your life. It becomes a lifestyle and really being in tune, you're investing in yourself. And the more you invest in yourself, you're going to be listening to how your body is reacting and what your body is telling you. Um, so I think that those are all the excellent points. And I want to make sure that that's highlighted, that there's not just one clear answer. Um, 
getting the blood plant panel. Um, maybe not every, every three months might be, you know, a little bit too much for some people that can't make it to the doctor regularly. But I definitely feel like if you can do six months or even once a year, you're going to be better in tune than not ever doing it because we don't want to just be taking supplements because we heard it's good for this. We heard it's good for that. You won't really know until the proof is in the pudding. Your results come back and it says you're high on this, you're low on this, and 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 you can be advised to what to do, even if you're not seeing somebody that's um, a, a specialist and and nutrition and things like that to tell you how to get those. If you have the answers of something is low or something is high, um, you can definitely search and, um, you know, do your due diligence and, and collecting that research. And we're so thankful to have Jeff Rose here to be able to share this information. And I want to encourage more people that are into holistic and wellness to be sharing this information because not everybody can reach, um, you know, a non-indoctrinated doctor. Right. And that, and that was a really good thing that you touched on that if you, if you are feeling, uh, something is off and you're not getting the answers from your, like, just say primary care physician. And you're like, no, this doesn't seem right. What he's telling me they, I just go in and he's trying to prescribe me something. Um, because that's a lot of time. What they do is they're, they're just trying to sell you uh, some type of prescription to line their pockets. Um, maybe veer off your path and just re research and look at holistic practitioners in your area and maybe just go try it out. And it's not for everybody. And sometimes it's not in everybody's budget to do so. But if you are really feeling bad and you want to make a lifestyle change, it's a good idea to, you know, just maybe try something new. I've never met anybody that says, man, I really regret um, eating that salad for lunch or going for the run in the morning. I don't think I've ever. I've never met anybody who really regretted switching over to holistic wellness either. Yeah. Maybe not every holistic doctor was or naturopath or whatever they go by was for them. But I haven't met anybody that says I regret getting on the holistic route. Right. Exactly. I would agree. And what I said before in the other episode is like, you never understand how important your health is until it is taken away. And if you're somebody out there that just wants to get healthier, that doesn't have this problem with breast implant illness, everything that we've gone over in the past three episodes could apply to you as well. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a complete overhaul of life. And I think that's where some people really get overwhelmed right. and get off of track. But Jeff's advice to the detoxing process and things like that, he's telling you to do things gently, especially like if you have gone through something, like if you're getting over being being sick and the reason that you got sick was because, well, you weren't really taking care of yourself. Your immune system was low and stuff. Um, we don't necessarily want to go from being sick to bombarding our body to working overtime to get rid of this and to get rid of that. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of your activities where you are forced to push yourself a little bit, if you feel you can't do them like you used to, those are all warning signs. They all go back to like we said earlier about listen to your body. And it's a very individualistic thing. Everybody, you know, has different 
warning signs and again just be in tune with your body listen to your body if something seems off don't ignore it you know just you know we have the internet today we have social media today and explore these avenues also we're looking at things holistically um diet so important i think it's the most important especially as we get older you know exercise is important you know when you look at the research um, you know, like I said, I just, you know, came back from a run right before here and they've shown that besides like calorie restriction, which is the most proven form of increasing longevity and health, um, 150 minutes a week of cardiovascular exercise is what is required and proven, I believe in a study at Harvard University that will increase your life expectancy and your overall health and you know and they've also shown that um more recent studies as well that resistance training has longevity benefits too because it keeps not only your muscles stronger uh it keeps your connective tissue strong it keeps your bones strong so we have to look at so many different things when we're trying to be healthy and you know, live a quality of life, not just, you know, I don't think any of us want to live to be 90 or 100 with a poor quality of life. We want to be vibrant and healthy. And it's by looking at all these different avenues that we can do, your diet, your exercise, um, you know, supplements you take, things that you need, not just things that you heard are good for you. And of course, Medicine absolutely has its place. If you need to be on medicine for something with your doctor, then of course you want to do that. Now, if there are alternatives to that, and again, it's a very personal decision, but I always approach things like this. Medicine is always going to be there. And if you are open to doing it the natural way, we know that's better to not put chemicals in your body. I mean, that's what we're talking about here with breast implant. You know, so if the natural way can work, wonderful. If for some reason it doesn't work for you or it doesn't fit for you, the medicine's always gonna be there with your doctor. So you can always go that route. But I've always approached things the natural way first. And then if you have to go, through the medical route, then that's always there for you. Okay, awesome. You brought up that study about um, doing 150 uh, minutes of of cardio, um, basically per week is is really ideal. I want to point out a body in motion stays in motion, and we want to uh, keep it moving as we age because you don't want to get up at you know, take take your 30s really easy, like some people, me. And then in your 40s, uh, you're like, oh my gosh, you're really, you really just turned 60 because you sat out your 30s. And if you're in your 20s, <laughs> uh, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same thing as skincare. We talked about all the things we can do to be proactive. You should start skincare very early. My sister has been a big advocate in that and telling me that pretty much my whole life. She's taken really good care of her skin her whole life. And it's because it's what interests her. And that's why we make a great team because we uh, balance each other out for what the things we focus on. So we're always giving each other different uh, different info to help 
each other improve our lives. That's encourage the podcast. We said we feel like uh, we have a lot to offer and we want to continue learning um, with the, with our different interests. So it's all it's all been awesome. You uh, you can look up your ideal heart rate as well. The same heart rate uh, for cardio doesn't apply to everyone. It's, it goes a lot by age range and you have to start with knowing what your base heart rate is and then knowing what your max heart rate is and then find your um, your higher heart rate to actually be counting as cardio. That also is not a one size fit all universal. Answer. Yeah. Anyway, so in closing, Jeff, we appreciate you being here so very much. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us? I think the biggest thing that I would like to add in closing is when you're going through a health challenge, and it's one of the things that I learned, I had some great training from a well-known doctor in San Francisco, and he taught me this, is always look from the outside in. When you can't get answers from something, you're going to doctors and getting tests done, and you know you don't feel good and you're frustrated, just sit back and look from the outside in. Um, what is different in my diet? Any new supplements I'm taking? Any new medications I'm taking? Is anything new implanted in my body? That's breast implant illness. So always look at what has changed. What is different? Am I doing something different? Um, Am I falling in the potholes when I'm running? Um, <laughs> I did that last week, as a matter of fact, so don't feel bad. Um, and um, just whatever is different, look at that as a possibility and then explore it. Because if you've been generally healthy and something has changed and you just want an answer so you can address it and get better, you're not, no woman is looking for it to be their implants that are making them sick. They just want an answer and they're not getting it through all these routine avenues of doctors and testing. And it's through their own research or maybe coming across somebody or maybe listening to a program like this, they can look at something that maybe is similar to what they're going through in symptoms and explore it you know listen breast implant illness would not be out there if it was not for social media you know it's it's one of those things that's a hundred percent social media driven so you know we have these things at our disposal now you know facebook instagram youtube TikTok. i mean you can go on and on i mean there's so many different things and of course the internet where you can research and it's what i do i mean i research things to death and you know i've always had this passion since i was younger i always had to know what the best of something was it was just you know call it my ocd is i just you know had to know it for myself and then by knowing it for myself and applying it to me i can help others as well so it's just something that has been my passion and again always look from the outside in look at your lifestyle and what has changed that maybe doctors and testing have not been able to find and then 
do your own research. Okay, that's awesome. The Truth Train doesn't stop here. Did you know that you can connect with us and our guests further? Join us on the uncensored platform, Telegram, for live chats and Q&A with our guests. Hope to see you there. Before you go, hit follow and share with a friend. Wake up to a new episode of Louisiana Sister Squad podcast every Tuesday.